The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine authentic power. And now here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there and welcome to today's show. I am really thrilled to be able to introduce my guest later on in the show. We go back a long time. Um, Ring came and joined me at my school on exchange um, a long time ago and we've become very good friends and she is an amazing lady. And she's gonna help me explore the whole theme of courage. You know, when you look at the Latin for courage, it means heart. And I think it's so easy in today's world to lose a sense of heart and love when you see all of the chaos and the negativity and conspiracy theories and all sorts going on. I think it's very easy for us to recognize courage, the courage that, you know, it was the 20 year anniversary, wasn't it, of 9-11, of the firemen going into that burning building the courage of people going selflessly in during the pandemic to nurse and to porter and to doctor um, roles within the hospitals when they knew it was dangerous. So we can see the big acts of courage, you know, the, the servicemen and women who go and put their lives on the line or policemen, for example, on a day by day basis can be putting themselves in known danger. And that's one sort of courage. But today I think what we're going to be looking at examining is the courage that we are required to demonstrate on a day by day basis, that quiet small acts of courage, sometimes bigger, but it's in those moments by moments where you choose and make a choice that perhaps means that you're not going to be popular because you know it's right that you're prepared to make that choice or that choice that you are going to make a difference to yourself, your life. I was talking to a client this morning and you know, we were talking about self-care and for her an act of courage is to stop focusing on everybody else because then she had a really good excuse not to focus on the things that she needed to work on and that facing yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror and really examining what's going on, for some people can take a huge amount of courage. The courage to step out of your comfort zone. You know, it's so easy, isn't it, to, to stick with what you know because it's comfortable. I was talking to a different client this afternoon and we were talking about the fact that she has started a new job and that she's moved house and done lots and lots of, of big things in the last uh, few months. And now she's got a bit of time and life seems a bit flat. 
And I said to her, you know, the, the work is um, challenging, but I suspect that what's going on here is that you are not looking at your personal life. Your focus has been on your, your daughter and your, um, and your move and your job, but there's been no focus on your, on your personal life. And that for her was scary. And I thought it was quite interesting that two clients in the same day with, you know, the need to be courageous about taking charge of their life, being the leader of their own life. And for her, it was getting out there into a social situation, meeting new people, putting herself into situations where she wasn't in control and she didn't know quite what was going to go on. And what we did through the conversation is we talked about shifting her view of what was going on and seeing it as an opportunity to be curious, to explore, to, um, and nothing was cast in stone. It wasn't as if she was going to go, had to go to something and then keep going to it for 10 years, but giving herself permission to go and explore and try a whole range of things out until she found something that worked for her and for her supremely confident in her work um, but in social situations far less so because she's been hurt and because she's been hurt she doesn't want to put herself into a situation where she's going to be hurt again well the problem with that is you can end up very lonely but it requires the courage to put yourself out there and to be vulnerable when i think of courage I think of the courage that people have to tackle life and to do it with heart. That that sort of courage for me is the day by day, drip by drip courage that each of us needs to dig deep and find. And I think as we look at what's going on around the world, it's very easy to be drawn into everybody else's fear and anxiety. And make no mistake, I am not making light of what's going on. But if you also fall into the trap of being fearful and anxious and stressed, you're not going to do well. Your immune system um, gets damaged. You are not able to access your right brain, which is where all the solutions are found. Are found. That you are unresourced and it's difficult to remember the resources that you have available to you because of you of where you are because of that fear it almost acts as a, a wall stopping you seeing things as they truly are so we're going to go into a break i'm, I'm going in early today because i know our conversation is going to be rich uh, and when we come out of the break i'm going to introduce maureen rose Reen rose to you and we're going to carry on the conversation and we're going to share some of our stories and some of our techniques in terms of how we have demonstrated courage in the face of adversity and things going on in our lives and how you too, as the leader in your own life, can find the courage to live your life and live it fully a life of joy. So don't go away. Join us after the break. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? 
Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-u.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. I have an apology to make to you. I forgot to remind you that as proud members of B1G1, buy one, give one, that every time you make a comment, whether that's in the live show or you uh, email us or make a comment on the, um, the replays, that we will donate meals to hungry people from projects around the world. I'm going to be talking to Reen about her choice. Remember, every guest gets to choose a project, but more of that later. So please, if you're enjoying it, comment. If you have a question, please comment. Let us know what you think. Okay, so let you talk, talk about my good friend, Reen Rose. She's the author of Modeling Happiness and the Secrets to Being Happy at Work. As well as a writer, She's an engaging speaker and self-proclaimed happiness maven. Reen understands that the way you perceive life is a choice. It isn't what happens to you that determines your well-being, but how you view and respond to it. She's open and candid about her own experiences, both the ones that make her look good and the ones that don't. Her willingness to be vulnerable and share what's going on in her life is one reason that she's such a faithful audience for her weekly column, The Happiness Connection. She lives with her dog, Charlie, in the beautiful Okanagan Valley in British Columbia in Canada. So without more ado, I would like to welcome my very good friend, Rain Rose. Hi. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. And I might add uh, that my my uh, guest that I was expecting let me down and you jumped into the breach. So I'm forever grateful. <laughs> me too. I'm so grateful that I'm the one you thought of, even if I am just a fill-in. That's okay. I cry into my pillow every <laughs> night, but that's all right. 
So what does courage mean to you? Uh, you know, this is when we talked about what we should maybe discuss. This is the first thing that came into my mind because of so many of those things you just commented on. But one of the biggest one, which fits in with the words you were telling your audience is the courage to be yourself. I think that is one of the hardest things for anybody to, to accomplish because many times we don't even know who we are. We just are trying to be the person that we think we're supposed to be, that society has said, you need to be like this and you need to do that. And so we have no idea who we are. And if anybody, I know for me, if someone said something that wasn't a compliment, I took it as a criticism for years and years. It was like, no, no, I'm not like that. Yeah, of course I'm like that. We're all like that. And so that's courage to me. That's the biggest thing in courage is to really embrace who you are. And the interesting thing is that when you do have the courage to embrace yourself, and I talk to people about, you know, embrace yourself, the wobbly bits and all, and love who you are. It doesn't mean that you're complacent, does it? It doesn't mean that you don't want to um, build on how you are in that moment, but in that acceptance, in that self-love, you give yourself the opportunity to shine. That is so, so true. And, you know, let me share. When I say I share the good and the bad and the whatever, because we all have them. And honestly, the most challenging things and embarrassing things that ever happen are the best stories that you ever have to tell. Uh, you know, we have- Yes, but usually not, not, <laughs> not at the time. It <laughs> takes a little bit of time, doesn't it, for them to become your best dinner stories usually. It's true. So go for it. A lot of shame coming up but when you say that one of the things i've had to work on my whole life is body shame my body image is something that has bothered me forever i've created stories i am old enough that twiggy was the example of what we should look like all my growing up yes. years and i found that really really difficult so no matter how slender i was you know i had i, I go back and look at pictures of myself and think oh my goodness how could you not have seen how good that was? But the idea for now, because I thought, okay, we got to get rid of this. This something's got to be done. And there were things that led up to this, but I thought, all right, I'm going to start wandering around my house with nothing on because I need to be able to see what I look like. And that took me huge courage, huge courage. So as I'm there and I have three big mirrors in my bathroom, so I cannot ignore any view of myself and I am there and I'm going no you look at yourself you see what's there and I suddenly realized I wasn't even seeing what was there I was seeing what I thought was there because it wasn't Twiggy and even like decades later this is still a hang-up but having that courage has transformed how I look at myself and it's also transformed the weight my body wanted to hold on to but that came from the courage to actually look at those wobbly bits and look at the cellulite and look at all of that and go, that's okay. It's me. Isn't it interesting? And I think, I, I wonder whether, it, I don't think it's just a, a woman's thing. I think men particularly these days have body image, but I think for women, you know, they, when they start, their bodies start to change during their teenage years, 
and they start to compare themselves with the photographs that they see on social media and the television and in magazines. They hold themselves to impossible standards because they're not even comparing with reality. They're airblown, they are adjusted by filters and so on. And I laugh to myself, you know, I look at the, um, my official photographs. I'm wearing far more makeup than I would ever normally wear, not least of which if I put it on, it looks like I put it on with a trowel. <laughs> and it's recognizing that actually this is who I am. And if it requires, you know, 17 inches of foundation for people to, to like who I am, then something's wrong. That That is such a good observation because it is so true. And you know, the funny thing is, I'm thinking you got to look like Twiggy to look beautiful. And yet I have met so many women lately as I've been bringing this conversation up who've always yeah. been very, very thin and they hated it. And they were teased because they were so thin. It doesn't matter what you look like because you are going to find fault in it and think somehow it's not good enough. Whatever we have, I was at the hairdressers this week and uh, those who have been watching the show will know that I've been poorly. So my haircut was about seven weeks overdue. I looked like witchy poo um, and I had my haircut and the girl who cuts my hair has the most beautiful thick, oh, you've got beautiful thick hair and mine's very fine. And she said, I'd like a pound coin for everybody who said my hair's too thin my hair's too thick I wish it was straight I wish it was uh, was curly and I think it is really time for us to settle on recognizing who we are and embracing that because then you can get on with the exciting stuff can't you well not even just that but when you have the courage to be you you are freed from you know it's like when you tell a lie not that i would ever tell a lie of course you know but if i did then you have to remember the lie because at some point it get, the tangled web gets so tangled when you're not being you and you're trying to be somebody else you forget oh no I, of course i'm not like that but you forget that and you just can't embrace life and be happy because you're always trying to be someone you're not I think that's so true. I'd like to just shift the conversation a little, if I may, to um, those experiences in your life where you have had to demonstrate courage of a different sort, courage for dealing with situations that life has thrown at you. People know of me that I've learned to walk twice as an adult and have had to face health challenges, um, I've faced bereavement, you know, there's a whole range of things where getting up and just getting on has been, as far as other people's concerned, they talk about it being an act of courage. As far as I'm concerned, I've just got on with it. Mm. Are there things you'd like to share around those bigger, more obvious acts of courage? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because I had a situation when I was 28 a situation that may never have happened if Gina was not in my life that year that <laughs> caused me to change who I was. Honestly, this made a cellular level difference in who I was because I realized how courageous I was. And I, unlike Gina, I really haven't had huge things happen in my life. In fact, when I went to 
first start be, trying to be a speaker and I took a course and it's like, okay, what's that defining moment of darkness? And I'm going, well, I didn't ever have one. So it's like, I'm suddenly having, you know, moments of darkness envy because I think my life has been too, <laughs> too plain and whatever. When I was on my exchange here, as Gina mentioned, that's where we met because she was my head teacher. So I am this 28 year old who showed For those up. in America, it's just to say for those in America, principles. So uh, just so we tr can translate. Well, yes, and I should, I'm bilingual. I'm both English and Canadian <laughs> because I spent a lot of years. I ended up living in England for 18 years. So I'm, yeah, I, I interchange. So yes, she's my principal, I show up and I, being from the west coast of Canada, we're a long way from everything, and I wanted to travel. And I managed to find things, you know, people to do a few things with me, and the exchange teachers were doing things, but my one bucket list place was Egypt. I was teaching ancient civilizations, and I loved Egypt since I would studied it in school, I wanted to go. But I couldn't find anyone to go with me. And uh, I think in conversation probably with you, Gina, you suggested, well, why don't you try a, a coach tour, a bus tour? And that had worked for my parents. They'd done that all over the world. But I thought, yeah, okay, that'll be fine. So I go in, I get a brochure, and I realize that the shortest tour is 10 days, and I only have nine days off. And as I'm saying this, this is where Gina's responsibility into this whole situation comes, because I'm going to her, well, I don't have <laughs> enough time off work and she goes well if you had a really really nice principal or head teacher she might even give you an extra day off if you were to ask her and so there we are i'm set up i'm going to egypt on this bus tour and i'm thinking 65 seater coach i'm gonna make friends i'll, I'll be fine so i get to cairo and I have a little while before the orientation meeting, so I go down and I'm in a beautiful hotel, and I think, well, I'll just wander, see what's there. And it's the first inkling I've got that maybe I'm gonna get a little more unwanted attention than I would want normally. And although I'm 28, I look 18, I have this round baby face. I am like, I, and I've never traveled by myself ever, ever in my whole life. So I'm going, okay, you know, it'll be fine. Get to the orientation meeting and I walk in and I think oh, I must be early because there are only five people in the room. And as I come in, uh, the guy, one of the guys says, oh, sit down and he gets up and he turns out to be the tour guide. And I'm thinking, this is a very small tour. And he starts giving us information. And then he hands out the itineraries. And he hands one to me and goes, oh, no, that's not yours. And he gives it to the other people. And he gives me a different one. Hey, wh why is that? Oh, because you're the only one on your tour. Here I am in Egypt, looking 18. And this is in the 80s. We are going back a long ways, and I am uncomfortable. Western women do not travel on their own in Egypt at this time. There are no women working around. The hotels, the waiters, everything is men. So we spent three days with these other two couples. One's on honeymoon, so that makes it even more you know, cozy. But then I just get dropped off at a train station to make my way down to Luxor to see the Valley of the Kings while everybody else goes off on a Nile cruise. Honestly, if I could have gone home, I would have. I, I, I would never come if I had knew, known I was on my own. 
I got such unwanted attention. Someone offered to pay my dad 10,000 camels for me. I <laughs> threatened to jump out of a moving little horse-drawn carriage because the guy wanted to take me out back to smoke hashish and I just wanted to go to a market. It was absolutely terrifying and nobody around me spoke English except for the Egyptians. There were a lot of Germans and you know lots of other nations but no one who spoke English. So I was all on my own, no cell phones, no internet, nothing. I could have no. died and nobody would have known what had happened to me. But I survived. I finished there. The happiest moment of the whole holiday was when I was back on the plane, flying back to London. But I survived. And through that, I knew I could do anything. Never in my life would I ever have a challenge too great. And that is something that has never changed. I've never been as scared in my life as that. But and 10 days is 10 days of this. But yeah, that was my defining moment, Gina. And I think it's really important that actually the defining moment was when you took charge of yourself and that you recognize that you had the inner resilience to cope with what was required. And as I remember back to when you're coming back from that trip, um, that despite all of those really incredible challenges, and I, I think I need to say, people who are listening to this, who are younger, have no idea Think about being in a foreign country, no cell phone, not because you didn't afford one, but because they didn't exist. No internet. The only way you could actually contact people back at home was through a very antiquated telephone service. Um, that you, you are talking about fundamentally very, very different times. But I also remember you coming back and describing how it was to sit at the top of a pyramid and watch the sunrise and this, the experiences that you had, the enriching experiences that you had out of that, that, that breakaway were, were something that you could not have got anywhere else on earth. You are so right. And I have talked about this trip over and over and over. I, I've used it in speech competition. I has fit into so many talks I've given to different groups of people because it was so defining. And there are a hundred different little things in there that showed me different lessons in my life. So I would not have missed it in the world. I would never have gone, I wish that had never happened. I'm so glad it happened, but I would never have chosen for it to happen. It had to be thrust on me to have mm -hmm. such a fabulous experience. And I had, some people are travelers. They're not scared. I was frightened. I had never done this before. This was so far out of my comfort zone. So I would just recommend to anyone listening to this, if you have an opportunity and you're going, but what if, but what if, go for it anyway, because it's the but what ifs. But beyond that is where the real learning and excitement and adventure lies. Do you know that's so uh, appropriate for the now? We are, uh, and next week's show is all about, you know, the earth is going through the most amazing transition and none of us know what's going to happen. And so what you describe out of that holiday in many ways is what's happening to us all in terms of the, 
the world has changed. There's no doubt that the pandemic has changed things. We're never going to go back to where we were. And I have to say for many people, including me, I would question why people would want to go back to some of the old stuff. And so we have to demonstrate that courage to be able to step into the unknown. But the incredible thing about your comfort zone is as you push the boundary and you step out of your comfort zone, so your comfort zone expands. And I think for people who are fearful, who are living with that sense of dread about what's going to happen, that colors your perception and your perception becomes your reality. I happen to believe in a benign universe. And whilst awful things happen, and I'm not a Pollyanna, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm quite cognizant of the things that are going on around the world. I believe that we all are given the strength to deal with whatever life throws at us if we give ourselves that uh, that opportunity. It might not be comfortable and your experience was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately you grow. Well, do you know so, Oh, sorry, Gina. I just um, no, no. You go. You go ahead. The thing about fear, too, when you're talking about that whole fear piece, I think it's really important for people to remember what's theirs to change and what isn't. And when it comes to the pandemic, the actual virus is not ours. It's not for us to be scared of in that sense because we can't do anything about it. What we can do is make choices for ourselves and to be as safe as we can but also to trust. And that's what courage is. It's trusting yourself, trusting the universe, trusting that you will manage and being able to trust that you can go out or you can make your choices and whatever your choice is, be comfortable <coughs> with it and allow yourself to experience without fear because most of our fear lies in the stuff we can't do anything about. So it's, it's just a waste of energy. It certainly is. and. Not only is does it waste energy, but it, I believe it's it's even it's a double whammy because we waste the energy and we can't access the resources that we have within us. And so you're wasting energy and you're diminished and feeling small when ultimately you could have more energy and more resources if you were able to face that fear. And I think it, it's important for those people who are listening. I don't want them to go away with the idea that you know, it's all right for you, it was all easy. Because at times it's really challenging. You know, that day by day dealing with feeling fearful is a challenge. But I think if you give into it, it grows. You know, whatever you focus on expands. So if you focus on the fear and what's not going right, that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas if you focus on, well, I can't change the experience, the situation, but I can change the way I view that experience and I deal with it. And in doing so, ultimately, the situation becomes a different one. It is so Not true. In the... Go on. When we say we create our reality, that is so true. And some people are having a really good pandemic. I know it sounds weird to say, but they are just taking what they can out of it. They are enjoying the good things and they are minimizing the real challenges. Yeah. Yeah. So we were told not to talk over each other. So we're working really hard not to talk over each other. 
<laughs> we're trying to be good, which is uh, makes a change, I have to say. Uh, so one of the areas I think that many people really struggle and at times they need more courage is in that of relationships. You know, the, the courage to be able to speak your truth in a way that's not destructive, the, to be true to yourself when you are in a situation that is uh, that does not right for you and to be brave enough to uh, work to change the situation or if that's not possible to actually walk away. And I wonder what your thoughts were in terms of how we can help people um, have the strength and the courage within their relationships to be more authentic about them, who they are. I, I'm firstly, you've got to be authentic with yourself, which is what we talked about first. So let's take that as read and now look at relationships with other people. Well, it's interesting because society often has told us that we should put everyone ahead of ourselves. And that's kind of the self-care things. And so many people think self-care is selfish. But I honestly believe, and in my personal experience, by putting yourself first and above all, looking after yourself will give you stronger relationships. Because A, the other person knows what is important to you. And sometimes when you're pussyfooting around somebody and trying to figure out what they want and you know what do they mean when they say that, by being authentic, that person has a much clearer idea of who you really are. And I think that helps a lot. But there's also a misconception by saying that I'm putting myself first, that no one else matters. And of course, that is not the case because the best situation is always win, win, win. A win for you, a win for anybody else involved, and a win for your environment. That is always going to be what you're striving for. But in saying that, if you come to a place where you're at loggerheads and it's what you want and what they want and you can't find a compromise to decide that you're not as important and you will just fit in because you should and that's what good women or men do, I don't believe will make you happy. It will just lead to resentment. So in relationships, there are times when you have to have the courage to stand up and go, I need this. I cannot change. This is so important to me that I just have to stand for it. And if I hadn't really learned who I was, and for anyone out there, if you think I'm too old to change, I was in my 50s before I really, really started to delve into personal, uh, personal development, even though I'd always been quite reflective. I was, yeah, in my 50s. And just before my 60th birthday, I came to a point where with my husband, we had just had our 30 year anniversary, been together a long time. I met him while I was on the exchange at Gina's. And it was like, I have changed so much. What he wants me to do for my life and what I want to do don't match anymore. It's not like finding compromise. And it was a good marriage. It wasn't brilliant, but it was good. Yeah. And I had the courage to go, i got to put myself first because I am never going to be really happy and I want more. I want best, not good. So those decisions come when you know yourself, when you work hard with other people to find middle ground. I'm not suggesting anybody should go, it's got all about me. But to say the times come because I'm not sure relationships are necessarily meant to last forever. I think they're meant to last for 
now or where you are. But I think lots of times we outgrow our relationships and to really move on and find the next level for us means leaving that behind. And that's hard to say. I'm sorry that, but yeah, some people that's hard to hear, but it's an interesting one. I was reading an article that talked about um, relationships during Victorian times and the average marriage was 10 years. And that there were marriages that went on for 60 years, but take away those who died in, women dying in childbirth was a huge one. Mm -hmm. People dying of infections like diphtheria and scarlet fever um, and TB, men going to war and being killed in war, industrial accidents, that the mortality rate was so huge that the average marriage was 10 years. But I think it's an interesting one because I work with couples a lot. And there's several, there's several sort of areas really. The first is how often couples get together and they've never ever discussed what their core values are. Or they use the words, but they don't actually say, well, in real terms, what behaviors do I need to see from you or I need to demonstrate for you to feel trust or love or passion or whatever it is? So people start off in the first throws making huge assumptions that because they love the person that they've got the same values. And it can be around family or children. Money's a big one. Sex is another, where the the mismatch in values puts that relationship on whether it's a marriage or, or or it's a partnership on very rocky ground. But then you have the situation, particularly, and I would say it was was true of you, where one of the couple does a huge amount of of self reflection and development and growth and the other person doesn't. And there's a re uh, that sense of, well, if you loved me, you wouldn't need all of that. You would love me for who I am and you would be happy with what we are. And on the other hand, well, if you loved me, then you'd also take um, some, take stock and start to, to develop yourself so that we could do it together. But where you've got this, this tension that I want you to stay where you are and you know be as you were, and no, I I've grown and I want need something else. I think is becoming more and more of an issue for people because it's not that long ago, is it, that people stayed in a marriage or a relationship simply because they had a marriage license, and for many people religiously, you know, they belong to a religion where divorce is is not available or certainly frowned upon and i don't want to get into the moral question of whether you should or you shouldn't divorce if you're married but more about how you navigate the, those issues with courage and with heart in terms of the relationships that you have with your partners your children your parents your work colleagues your boss it works at every level doesn't it Oh, it absolutely does. And I think the real key to all of this is knowing who you are and letting other people see that person. Because otherwise, you're playing with somebody who's just a doll, who's just a paper cutout. And deep down underneath that, you're angry and you're frustrated because they don't get you and they don't understand you. 
And in uh, as an example of what you were just talking about, I knew the one thing I needed from my marriage that I wasn't getting, and I was able to state exactly what that was. And I said, can you get on board with this? And he said, no. And I said, well, okay, we got a problem then because it wasn't all the bits and pieces. It was what I wanted to do with my future and what he wanted me to do with my future. And they were so totally different. And I had to go with my values. I felt that was so, so important. But nobody, I, I believe everyone's going to make that choice for themselves. I am not saying that you uh, shouldn't stay. And I could easily have stayed. That's the interesting part. I could have stayed. And when the decision was made, I set the intention to stay friends. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have two children together, they're grown up, but I didn't want to ever have that situation where, oh, our son's getting married. So, you yes. know, you sit at that table, I'll sit at this table. We're really good friends. In fact, I dropped my dog off with him just now so that Charlie didn't bark while I was doing this. We are friends. He immediately found someone else because for him, that was the right move. Yes fine you know i've had to work through that that's taken some courage i didn't want it but you know how when you don't want someone but you don't want someone else to want them either that should mourn a little <laughs> so <laughs> he didn't mourn me he just replaced me but yeah you just have to decide what you want and then move towards it and don't let anybody else say you should have done it like this you should have done it like that because they don't know they don't live in your body they don't have the same love for you that you do they don't know the only person who understands you completely and who loves you without one tiny bit of any reservation is yourself. And so if well, you can I just want to add a caveat. Hold on. Oh, yes. That's where we should be. And there are many people who do not like themselves, who work through their life in trying to please everybody else. And in doing so, little bit by little bit, they die inside and they stop accessing the potential that they have. Now, I don't want anybody to go away with the idea that we're suggesting that, you know, if things aren't going right in your relationship, that's it, you're off. Quite the opposite. It is so important to work on the relationship with yourself, the relationship with other people. You see, I think the need to be seen to be right is highly overrated and yet many people get caught in that trap because if i'm right you're wrong rather than well actually we're just coming at it for, for, we're different it's not right and wrong at all but just we need different things we are different people that is just so it and having that support being with someone who can support your journey is yeah. really the key or someone who's willing to grow at the same time but honestly i had spent 30 years trying to make my marriage work because it was challenged right from the beginning and that is another whole story in itself mm -hmm. and i was that pleaser i stand up now as a model for who you could become not that i'm perfect or it's wonderful but well, it is wonderful, but it is just the fact that I have gone from the pleaser who never let anybody really see who I was, who felt I had to be perfect, to be acceptable, who went through all of that. And I lived like that for over 40 years until I came to a point where I thought this, I want to be happy. And I believe that everybody's purpose is to be happy. And if you can really focus on the things that help you 
to be happy and that you want to share that with others because as we said you being happy it doesn't mean no one else is happy if you're happy the people around you are happy because it's contagious so it's a great way to change the world but if you don't love you then you still can it's not too late i'm old i can attest to in fact someone told me that both wayne dyer and louise hayes didn't really start becoming known and speaking until they were in their 50s and 60s yeah. you just if you're going oh, i can't manage this i'm i'm weak i'm not courageous i have no idea who i am i hide myself doesn't matter how old you are it's not too late. You can start and you can do big things in the world. Isn't it interesting? It's really, I don't know about your client base, but it's so common for people to start to wake up late 40s, 50s, 60s um, and recognize that they want more out of life. They want to be more of who they truly are. Um, but if you're young and you're listening to this, I wish I had met my older self when I was in my teens and I'd given my teen self a really good talking to and that that teen had listened yeah. because life would have been very different. I realised how unreasonable that is because teens, generally speaking, don't want to listen to an older self or an older person saying how it should be done but it would have made a big difference. But let me add something to that because I don't believe anybody can learn from somebody else's experiences. We have to go through them ourselves and it's part of the journey, I think. Yes, you can talk about things. I know my children are much better prepared for happy lives than I yeah. was because my mom taught me to be fragile. That's how I was brought up. She didn't mean to, but that's no. how she had been brought up. So I, I came from a place of total fragility to strength whereas there are things we can do but yeah i suspect if we talk to our teenage selves and our 20 year old selves and our 30 year old selves yeah. and possibly our 40 year old selves we wouldn't have done now there are times when i give myself a really good talking to because you fall into the trap of, of something and you think what am i doing but i what i think that i'm going to take a little bit of issue with you in that i do think it is possible you've got to do the inner work there is no doubt about that you can't, nobody can do the inner work for you. But I do think that people can help you by offering a roadmap that if you choose to use that as the catalyst for the inner work, you can save yourself a huge amount of time, aggravation and effort, but nobody can do the inner work. I think you're quite right with that. Well, now, I'm, I'm very, sorry, I'm just, I'm just gonna make one comment to that because we're. this is a perfect example of two people saying the same things in very different ways, but yeah. that's absolutely true because giving knowledge and information to somebody for them to make their choice yeah. can make such a difference. And yes, I wish I had had somebody do that for me too. But yeah, it, we, there's no doubt that having to find it all yourself takes way longer than if somebody guides you. Yeah. Um, now, be one, G one, buy one, give one. We invite every guest to uh, choose a, a project for um, for genuinely you to uh, donate to on their behalf. B one, G one is an amazing organisation. There are two sister organisations. One side raises all the money to run the the, the charity and the programmes, and then when you donate, all of your money goes directly to the programmes. If you're a business owner, then in the show notes, you'll find my little um, uh, code, 
and it's very easy to give you don't have to give huge amounts of money it, it there are they call them impacts and some of them are very very uh, reasonable just a few cents or a few pennies but collectively they make a difference and um, Reen has chosen this particular project which is to provide literacy education for the Dalit girls they're the untouchables in India so giving illiterate adolescent Dalit girls access to literacy education these girls come from the poorest families aged between 13 and 19 and belong to the group of Dalit or untouchables a repressed group in India They've been taken out of the education system to work on the land or in other ways earn money for their family. Learning to read and write opens up so many opportunities in their life. And your donation uh, will help provide the wages of a teacher provision for teaching materials and the upkeep of literacy centre to support those girls. So thank you very much. We're coming to the end of the programme. We've got just a couple of minutes left. I've changed the structure of the programme and Roxy, my producer, just to will now by now realise that I'm not going to do the break in the middle but because this conversation, I think, was too important to cut short. But in these last two or three minutes, um, you've got a great book, haven't you? Um, what is it and where can they find it? And the um, contact details have been going through and we'll put those in the show notes, but share with people your book. I am a writer. That is where my passion lies these days. Modeling Happiness, A Guide for Teachers and Parents, you can get on Amazon. Although it was written for teachers and parents, it's written for anyone because by you being happier, it helps you see how you can be happier and that will be contagious and you'll help your children. You'll help anybody who's around you to be happier as well. That's where all my books go up onto Amazon and I've got two or three more in the process. So there's more coming. So it just remains for me to say a huge thank you to you, Reen. It's been a, a great pleasure and lots of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please spread the word and get people to download because then we are we will donate meals on their behalf. Every hundred uh, viewers who view, um, we donate meals. So thank you very much. And it just reminds for me to say to those of you that are listening and watching, thank you so much for joining us today. And to remind you that it's your choice, but please see yourself as the leader of your own life. Bye-bye now. Bye. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.